opportunities to share the gospel for the sake of pride or comfort. Our words or lifestyles often don't look any different than that of our unsaved friends or loved ones. In many cases, those people may not even know we're saved. This is a truly sad state to be in. We may tell ourselves that we'll talk about it tomorrow or someday soon, but that may be too late. We all live a moment away from eternity, and we may not even have tomorrow. As Pastor Mark challenges us in today's message, it's time to start living set apart. We've been sanctified and commissioned by Christ to make disciples in all nations. Well, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17 with today's edition of Come Alive. Just think, if the 30s, Bonnie and Clyde, how many banks they got away with. And they were kind of dumb about it when you read about them, you know. And yes, I've been reading about bank robbers, and that's part of the urge. It's like, not that it's romantic, or it's just like, man, that'd be kind of crazy. That's quick, easy money. You just rob a bank in one state and drive six states away and... Hey, there you go. You live high on the hog, and then if you need more money, you come back to that state, you rip it off until it runs out of money, and move on to the next state. I'm not telling you guys to do that. I'm just saying it was an, it's a weird urge. You'll get caught these days. But see, if that was, you know, I told my wife, and so every time we drive by a bank, you know, she's just all like, well, and, you know, she won't let me take the bandanas in the car anymore and the hats. And so she's helping me out. She's helping me resist. So the devil will flee. But if I submit to God, if I focus my attention on other things, godly things, other than robbing banks and wanting money, because that's where it all starts is the the desire. What is my heart's desire? Well, if, if I focus on the Lord, it'll be the Lord. So the enemy wants to keep you on a path of unrighteousness. But if you resist the devil, wash your hands of it, so to speak, you can stay on that path of righteousness. So here in 1 Samuel 17, we have... On one side of this mountain or valley, we have Israel. And on the other side, we have the Philistines. The word Israel, write this down if you're taking notes. The word Israel means governed by God. Governed by God. That's what the word Israel means. Governed by God. And on the other side of the battle line, we have the Philistines. And that means those who dwell in villages... And you're like, all right, Mark, I get the governed by God thing, but those who dwell in villages, I'm not getting the correlation. But just wait. It would be good for Israel if the Philistines would have just stayed in their villages, just lived in their villages, just, just like all would be good in your life if the devil would just stay in Sheol, if he just stay in hell where he belongs, all in your life would be awesome. But he doesn't. 
The Philistines don't. They come against Israel, those governed by God, and they have come to attack the people of God at Judah. And I'll write this down. Judah means, if you're taking notes, Judah means praise. Praise. And the Philistines were coming against the praise, so to speak. They're coming against praise. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone who he may devour. So think about this. When you're praising God, when you're worshiping him, maybe in your quiet times or in your car, and you're just kind of singing out to the Lord, and you're really, truly praising him, not because you like the song or the beat, all that helps, but you're truly praising God, then what happens? Where does your mind usually go? Hopefully it stays on God, but sometimes there's something that distracts us, a billboard, so to speak. Oh, or a car. Man, I'd really like to have that. I bet if I, you know, whatever, rob more banks, I can get that car. It would be a fast getaway car. And so here they are in this valley, the Valley of Elah. Elah means oath or pledge or promise. And I thought this was really kind of interesting as we write down these notes about the names. And again, Elah means oath, pledge, or promise. But you could say that you have done the same thing. You've made an oath, a pledge, or a promise. Your confession, your pledge to Jesus came from your mouth. It came from your heart. And so the enemy will come against you at the place where you made your promise, right? And now think about that. We always talk about the heart and the mind, the heart and the mind. It's, it's, it's one and the same when we read the heart. And so here comes the enemy, and, he, and he's throwing something so attractive up to you, and it's distracted you. It's got your attention looking away from the Lord, looking away from those things that God wants you to do. And you had great intentions, and intentions are good, but if you don't act on them, if you don't move, well you're no good. I could say my intention today is to give each of you $30 for showing up this morning. But if I don't pull that money out of my pocket, it does you no good. It does me all the better, but it does you no good. And so there's that place where we come where you've made your promise that we're attacked. And often the enemy has you in that valley of the oath, questioning it. You may not see spiritual success in your life. Well, you know, Mark, I did. I witnessed to this guy at work and he told me to shut up. Or he'd ram my head in the microwave and flip it to two minutes and fry what's left of my brain. And you might be like, oh, man, he was a mean guy. And I might pat you on the back and go, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Get out there. Try it again. You're like, well, that's kind of mean of you. Well, what about the football player that gets hit really hard? And he gets up and he sees stars. He goes to his coach, man, coach, are you serious? I got to go up against that big dude? Isn't there any short dude I can go up against? Couldn't we just leave that hole wide open? Well, what about the skinny guy throwing the ball? He's going to get nailed. And it doesn't work in that because two teams are fighting against each other. They're battling against each other. And there needs to be this huddle time. Like I said, we come to church for that time. And so, again, you can just, you know, we, we give Jesus our life. We want and we need him for salvation, right? We all want to get to heaven. This week I, I led a dude to the Lord in my office. It was a divine appointment. He happened to feel sick. Needed some place to hang out for a little while. I remember thinking, oh man, seriously, I got to hang out with this guy. I want to hang out with him. I'm having a great time studying and reading my Bible and having quiet time. And he seriously, my guys are going to bring him back at 1230 in the afternoon. It's my lunch time. He's probably going to sit here and stare and watch me eat. I got better things to do, Lord, than to babysit this guy that can't make it. And, and so all of a sudden he comes in, he sits down and he doesn't look sick. And I said, well, what's the matter with you? Well, I'm hypoglycemic, and 
So, well, I don't have anything with sugar in it. Uh, you're welcome to drink the creamer in the refrigerator for the coffee. I think that has some, but it's up to you. you know, no, 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 no. Mike gave me a jelly roll. I feel better now. And I remember thinking, well, then I should take you back out and put you back to work. And I was like, nah, he's new. He's just going to slow everyone down. I'll just keep him here. And I said, well, you're welcome to sit out on the front porch if you'd like. I'm studying for church. And he started asking questions about church. And then I was like, hmm. And he said, hey, you know, I used to be a Wicca. I tried that. It was kind of weird. Kind of liked it. And I used to be an atheist. And I started thinking, I was like, no, come on, Lord. I don't have that much time. I got, I got to leave in 30 minutes. I have an appointment. And so I was like, all right, I think I can do this in 30 minutes. So I pull up the I Am Second website. I'm like, here, watch this video. He watches Brian Head Welch. He's just into it. Somebody walked into my office. He didn't even know this person was there. And I'm like, wow, he's really tuned into that. And the next thing you know, we start talking about salvation. So I asked him, I said, hey, so if you were to die today, where would you go? He's like, hell. I'm like, all right, well, do you want to go to heaven? He said, yeah. And I go, well, that's cool. Everybody wants to go there. What are you willing to pay? What price? He goes, well, what do you mean? So make a long story short, I explained it to him. I told him it's not easy. It's a lot of hard work. If he really meant wanting to be saved, wanting to go to heaven, then, hey, man, I'll pray with him. And so he did. And, you know, he was like, well, how do I get to your church? I don't always have a ride to that part of town. I'm like, well, do your best, you know, and, and try to get here if you can, if, if, if you can get somebody to drop you off. And so he said, all right. And so, you know, I told him I'd bring him a Bible and things like that. Those things that happen in our lives come up at inconvenient moments. And God's like, I don't care about your comfort, Mark. I don't care that you need to study for Sunday. I don't care that you have a one o'clock appointment. I don't care about any of that stuff. I care about this guy making it into heaven. After all, that's why I sent my son to die. And for you to treat this like it's nothing, like you're bothered, how dare you? And so it it was pretty exciting. I got to explain some stuff to him. I got to talk to him. And I made sure. I said, hey, don't do this because you're my employee. I was like, you know, do this because it's the right thing to do. You're not going to get any more money, and work isn't going to get any easier for you. It actually is going to get harder because I'm going to have higher expectations for you as a Christian. Not in the first week, but in the first 10 days. And so he was just kind of like, and I was like, I'm just joking. But I I will have higher expectations for you as a Christian. And so as he has Bible studies coming early in the morning, he said he would do that. We'll talk those things out. So sanctification. Now he, he had salvation. Now he's got to move on to sanctification. Well, that's when people look at your life and say, you know, you're really different. Or there may not be much. And they say, well, I didn't know you were saved. I didn't know you were a Christian. When did you get saved? Oh, 15, 20 years ago. Really? Wow. You're not any different than any of us. And some of us might be like, that's the way I want it. I want to still be cool. I want to look cool. I want to act cool. I want to do all this stuff. But there's no, well, there's no real progress. You're not really different. Uh, Sanctification means you begin to live a different lifestyle. It's a little more purified day by day, minute by minute maybe for some of us. But you're able to, you know, to handle those things that used to give you trouble. You're able to turn your back on those things that used to be a problem for you a little easier. Yeah, it's tough in the beginning, but the more you do it, the easier it tends to get. And then there are those things that always pop up. They tend to, again, try to distract you. And it's a test. It's an opportunity to see if you're real about being righteous. It's an opportunity to be willing and obedient. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. 
It's about growing in that relationship, growing closer to that one you love. And so sanctification is about us being just a little more righteous, a little more pure, a little more tuned into God, a little more, hey, I want to really submit to you, Lord, and I want to do the things you call me to do rather than I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. He'll give you those opportunities, and he'll allow you even to sin because he loves you so much. He wants you, he wants you to know that, you know what, he, he gives you a choice in the matter. And that choice sometimes tells us who we really love most. Sometimes we tend to love ourselves more than we love the Lord. Look at verse 4 with me, and we'll move on. It says, And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. This, this guy's about nine feet tall. Some of you might be like, oh, I don't believe a nine foot tall guy. Well, if you believe everything the Bible says, then he is. And if you don't, then you got a problem with what you're going to pick and choose to believe. Because, I mean, either you're right or the Bible's right. And so he's about nine feet tall. It says he had a bronze helmet on his head and was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. That equates to about 125, 126 pounds. It's a pretty big guy. And especially if this coat of mail is really 120, I mean, I, don't, I, I can carry 125 pounds, not easily. And definitely not into war where I'm running for my life. It'll just slow you down. Okay, so Goliath name, if you're taking note, Goliath's name means splendor, splendor. Some people say it means heap. I don't know. I can't find where it means that, but everything I look up, it says splendor. The splendor of the world, again, in our lives, tends to take its stand and is in the valley of the oath causing you to question, right? You see these beautiful things that the world has, that these unbelievers have, and they seem so happy, and they have it all together, and here you are, with your Bible, going to every Bible study you can, struggling and scratching just to make ends meet. And you're like, well, I just want that. And that becomes the thing we start to chase. And so the splendor in the valley of the oath causes you to question. It causes you to doubt because it's a huge deal to walk that walk. It requires an enormous amount of energy. And to fight that battle with that enemy, man, you just look at it and you're like, oh, this is going to wear me out. It's going to wear me out. I might as well just give in and surrender and go to that side. See, there's something in all our lives that's splendorous, something that we really love, something that we really want that causes us to become distracted if, well, if we let it. If we let it. David's name, if you're taking notes, means beloved of God. And if you remember the word gath, remember a while back we talked about this place? Gath means press. That's where they pressed olives. They squeezed the oil out of the olives there. So the splendor of this world is going to press in on you, so to speak. The splendor of this world will press in on you, and especially in the valley of your oath. It will cause you to really start to question. David's from Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. Think about that. God wants you to make toast when life gets tough, right? No. He doesn't want you to make toast. He wants you to take that which is a staple in life, that sustenance. Jesus called himself the bread of life. Again, John 20, 21, as the Father sent me, I send you. We are to be Christ-like, salvation for someone else through the love of Jesus Christ, to be that bread. And so Goliath stood over nine feet tall. And so Saul, when you think about it, being head and shoulders above the rest, he was kind of looked upon as the guy that was supposed to go out and meet with Goliath and do this battle. 
And then most of Israel, you know, thought that that's what he would do. Or that's what the king's job was. You know, they, back in those times, they would send one champion out. And it was just kind of smart, you know. I mean, we've all thought this probably. I used to think of it when I was a kid. Well, why not, instead of two countries going to war, we just let the presidents of those countries or the kings of those countries fight. And just whoever wins, that's the winner. And so here they have a champion that goes out. And so Saul would supposed to be the guy to go out and meet him. So Goliath, what he does, you know, he stands taller than Saul. But it says Saul stood head and shoulders above the rest. And then most of Israel, he was expected to rise to that challenge. And yet, once again, we see in Saul's life that he doesn't. Why doesn't he rise to the challenge? Well, we read nothing about him spending time with God. We read nothing about him communicating with God. And so Goliath tries to crush. How does he do that? Well, look at verse 5 through 7. It says, he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had, a bron- and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and a shield bear went before him. Now 600 shekels is anywhere from 15 to 25 pounds. That's a pretty heavy spearhead. That's just the point. And so probably as long as this thing would be, he would throw it. He'd have to be pretty strong to throw 25 pounds a, a decent distance. And so when they talk about the weaver's beam, they, they think it had a string attached to it. And that way when you threw it, as it would unravel, it would allow this thing to travel even further. So he would be able to throw this big heavy spear. I mean, just think if somebody chunked 25 pounds at you and hit you and it had a big point. I mean, it would hurt. I mean, you'd be dead. And so he tries to crush this, this Saul, this army. And he's doing a pretty good job. Talks about his armor bearer going before him. And we don't see, and a lot of people will read this as like, yeah, he's walking out with him, but he's not. The armor bearer would probably carry all um, um, Goliath's stuff and stand there and show it off, how big the shield is. And, and, and Israel's sitting there going, look, there's one guy coming out. Look how big all that stuff is. Look how gigantic that stuff is. Well, I wonder what, what's going on. And so they're looking down and seeing this happen. And again, a big heavy coat of mail on this, on this giant. And being a champion, well... Well, we know the word champion means he probably didn't lose many battles, if any at all. So he wasn't a loser. Look at verse 8. It says, Then he stood and he cried to the armies of Israel, and he said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Now, either it was dark, or this is the, this is the armor bearer. And so he says, Choose a man, let him come down for me. And so, and, and I'll tell you why in a minute why I think this might be the armor bearer. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then he will be your, we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words, listen, they heard the words. They didn't see whoever was saying this of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So they hear these words. Now David was the son of that Ephraite of Bethlehem and Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years in the days of Saul. The three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. And the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn next to him, Abinadab, and the third, 
And David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself forty days, morning and evening. And then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousands, and see how your brothers fare, and bring back news of them. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things, and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and shouting for battle. For Israel, so here it is, Israel's getting ready to go and fight. They're a little afraid of what they heard. They're ready to fight. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array and army against army. They're ready to go. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers, and then he talked with them. There was the champion of the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So here we see this story unfolding. See, they'd pick one guy, usually a champion to do battle, would spare lives. But also the winner of that battle, whoever won, would also relate to the God they serve. They would relate that win to the God that they serve. So if Goliath wins, they obviously would say, hey, well, our God's more powerful than your God. And so that agreement was for the losing side to become slaves for the winner side. And so Goliath was, was very, very confident in, in his stuff. Again, back in verses 8 through 10, he's very confident in all his stuff. He stood and he cried out to the armies of Israel. And he said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants? Now this could just be a message from, from Goliath or it could really be Goliath. But it doesn't say anything. Why would they line up and be ready to go and then all of a sudden see this guy and run if this was him? But that's not the main point here. The main point is Goliath was so confident in his equipment, so confident in his natural strength, so confident that he commits his fellow countrymen to slavery if they lose. Think about the confidence that this guy has. I I always bluff my friends when they're like, man, that ain't right. I'll be like, hey, you willing to bet a paycheck? I'll bet one of my paychecks against one of your paychecks. And everybody always backs out and goes, no way. And I'm like, well, you have no confidence in what you're saying. If you were really confident and you were really sure that that thing was going to happen, you would have no problem betting that whole paycheck. And so sometimes I run these little tests with people who's like, oh, yeah, I'm for sure. Like, really? You'd be willing to bet a paycheck on that? Uh, no. No. Well, you're not that sure then. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We're a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.